So let's talk about, uh, this is the last sermon in the series on Immersed, and I hope you've been blessed, I hope you've learned, I know I certainly have learned and been convicted and uh, changed some of my evil, wicked ways uh, since I've gone through uh, this sermon series, and I'm counting on some of you all to have done the same thing. And uh, hey, listen, we welcome our guests. Can we just welcome our guests today again? We're so glad you're here. Um, we thank you for coming. Make sure you pick up that free gift as you're exiting today in the tent, uh, the tent outside there. Uh, just drop your uh, Connect card off there and pick up your free gift. A couple things I, um, I have to admit this morning that I wasn't listening to Matt Bartlett very much. I was had my mind on other things as I was getting ready for my part of the service, but uh, I, I want to make sure you guys understand that the Taco Bell wanted Just Because cards. Did he mention that? That they wanted Just Because cards because when they give those meals away, they give them one of our Just Because cards. So we didn't do it, but they let us get the credit. How cool is that? And so we just appreciate um, them so very much. Another thing I was just thinking as we were worshiping, was the word Yahweh. You, you might be new to church, you might be new to the Bible, you might be new to the things of God, and you're just here today because uh, maybe you've tried a whole bunch of different stuff and none of it's really working for you. So maybe you're here today saying, okay, I'm going to give God a chance. I'm going to give church a chance. And you might have wondered who in the world we were singing to when we were singing about Yahweh. And uh, Yahweh is an old testament hebrew named for god one of the highest names for god and so uh we would encourage you to do a study in on your own there are some good books out on the names of god and what those names mean because what the names of god mean are his attributes he is the god that provides he is the god that heals he is the god of, of our defense so do a do a study on the names of god okay let's get into the word of god today Today, uh, in the Immersed Sermon Series, we're going to continue a study um, uh, that we started actually last week, a discussion about the crisis experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Last week, we gave our doctrinal position on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is the doctrinal position of this church, what we believe the Bible teaches about that experience. So let's put that up on the screen, guys, and go over it again. We believe the Bible teaches that the crisis experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to, takes place after uh, a person is born again. And we believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an endowment of power, and we're going to get into that today, an endowment of power for all believers. And then I've got some scripture references down there. Now let me just say that this might be the first time you've ever heard any preaching on this. I have to tell you, Francis Chan was so right when he said that the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit because... A lot, of, a lot of folks just don't want to go there. It's a little bit too strange. They, they're afraid they're going to get into weird stuff and strange behavior. And they've seen some people who have said, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And those people did some pretty bizarre things. And uh, so they said, uh, you know, I just am going to love Jesus and kind of not go there. Well, we want to go there today because there's nothing that the enemy would love 
uh, more than for you to kind of push this aside, this teaching of you being filled with, you being baptized in, you being immersed in uh, the Holy Spirit. The enemy would love that if we would ignore it because you are going to need this in your life more and more and more as the day of the Lord approaches. So uh, let's go to the next slide, guys. As you think about those remarks, we believe the Bible teaches that when a believer is baptized in the Holy Spirit, the result is going to be a deeper expression of spiritual fruit. And you see the scripture reference there. And it is that nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, gentleness, um, uh, uh, self-control, and the ones I forgot. But there are nine of them in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And uh, we believe that when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, there will be a greater growth. You will be empowered to live a Christ-like life. One of the things that frustrates a lot of Christians is they give their heart to the Lord. They want to be saved. They want to know that when they die uh, or when the Lord comes that they're going to go to heaven. So they accept the Lord, but then they don't press on into becoming more like him. And if they do want to be more like him, a lot of times what they're doing is they're trying to do that in their own power. That was Paul's rebuke to the church at Galatia. He said, you started out good, but then you started following after your own human effort. And so I want to remind you today, listen to this. this. This ought to set some people free here in this house today. Living holy is not your responsibility. It is your response to God's ability in you. Okay, I might act like I didn't say that. And I'm going to back up, rewind, say it again. And I want y'all to act happy about what I just said. All right? So... How many of y'all want to live holy? You want to live holy? Want to live right? Want to live Christ-like life? Listen, I got good news for you. God doesn't expect you to do it. All he expects you to do is surrender yourself to him, and he will do it through you. <laughs> That's pretty good for early service. I'll take that. I can't live holy. I can live holy for like five minutes on my own. And now I want to slap somebody. So... So, I need more of Jesus. Everybody say it with me. More of Jesus, less of me. Say it again. More of Jesus, less of me. More of Jesus, less of me. That's what we're talking about here. More of Jesus in my life because I can't live the Christian life. I can't live it. Everybody say, I cannot live the Christian life. You can't. It is supernatural. That's why you run into so many Christians who look like they've been baptized in vinegar. Because they're trying to do something on their own they were never meant to do on their own, and they're frustrated. That's what happens to legalistic Christians. They write down a whole bunch of laws and rules you got to abide by that have no biblical basis. And they can't even live by their own rules. That's why some Christians are some of the meanest folks you ever met in your life. Amen? And so the happiest, most joyful Christians are ones who are allowing Jesus through their prayer life, through their love for the Word of God. Because when you're praying, you're talking to God. When you're reading the Bible, God's talking to you. That's called a conversation. That's how people get to know each other. 
and people who are just walking in the Lord, serving the Lord, spending their quiet time with the Lord, and letting the Lord live holiness through them, live purity through them, empower them to be like him. Those are the happiest Christians you ever going to meet. And the most sour Christians you'll ever meet are Christians who they're saved. They're going to heaven, I guess. Some of them I wonder about. I sure hope they get sanctified between here and heaven. Uh, but some of, the, some of the orneriest Christians, some of the ones who are hurting the testimony of the church more than anybody else, are people who think the responsibility of holiness is on them. It is not. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? It is not your responsibility. It is your response to God's ability in you. I can't be the husband I ought to be. I can't be the daddy I ought to be. I can't be the friend I ought to be. I can't be the brother, the son. I can't be what I ought to be. I can't live my life, listen to this, I can't live my life to the maximum apart from God. I have to depend on his power. He enables me. W-I-T-S. I saw t-shirts today. Everybody say it. Walk in the spirit. It means daily. It means moment by moment. An awareness of this is not about me. This is the Holy Spirit in me doing his thing. The, four, the third thing, I can't preach on all of them like that. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is going to cause a spiritual gift because everybody in here has got at least one spiritual gift. And it is going to cause that one spiritual gift, or some of you have several spiritual gifts, uh, in a spiritual gifts workshop, which we teach right here at the church about uh, four or five times a year. And we hope you'll get in that. It's called D2. D2. Anytime you hear class D2, I believe D3 is going right now. But D2 uh, teaches you your gift, what your gift is and how it works in this body called the bridge. How it functions in this body. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that gift is, um, that gift is magnified. That gift is empowered. And, and that gift, because of the unction... There's a, there's a church word for you. The unction of the Holy Spirit, because of the endowment of power from God, that gift is magnified, and you become even more effective and more powerful in that gift. And then Romans 8, down at the bottom, number 4, uh, Romans 8, 26, 27, tells us that it's going to enhance your prayer life. Anybody, anybody need an enhancement of their prayer life? I do, I do, I do. And so the Holy Spirit does that. We talked about Luke because Luke gives us a two-volume work, um, the gospel according to, excellent, um, and he told us the purpose for the book of Luke was to reveal all that Jesus began, which means Jesus, in all that he did, didn't complete everything he wanted to complete. He began to do two things. He began to do and teach. He began to do and teach. So, so that's what the book of Luke is about. It is to reveal to the reader all that Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts was also written by Luke. And the book of Acts tells us what Jesus wants to continue to do and teach through a church that is baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Because y'all remember this? This is deep, deep stuff right here. Everybody needs to get. I actually found out from a person who knows sign language that that actually does mean ascension. I'm awesome. Okay. <laughs> and humble. And quite proud of it. Now, so the book of Acts teaches us that Jesus started something in Luke and he continues it through a spirit-filled church. Old-fashioned, old a Holy Ghost-filled church. He said, I'm going to ascend into heaven and I'm going to leave the power that you have not had up until this time this Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, this infilling of the Holy Spirit is something you have not experienced. It is something you have not had. And when I ascend into heaven, I will send that baptism of the Holy Spirit back to empower you, listen, listen, to continue what I started. That's Jesus' message. That's what Jesus was saying. So um, last week we talked about the believer's need for this. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need this uh, because uh, of, of the four things I just mentioned. It empowers us. It causes the fruits. It makes us Christ-like. Uh, we need this, desperately need it, because we don't have the power to do what God's called us to do. Let's read Acts 1, 4, and 5. It says, And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them. Doesn't look like an option to me. He what? He commanded them. He didn't say, hey, guys, this is like a great idea, and, you know, it's like an option for you. And, uh, I mean, you can go on like you are, or you can go and receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He what? Everybody say it. Commanded them. Now, when he said that, he was talking to 500 people. But only how many made it to the upper room? 120. So 380 were like, I'm good, man. Thanks, though. Thanks. Like the church today. I'm preaching. Like the church today, a lot of people have looked at this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and said, man, I appreciate it, but I'm good. I'm good. So 380 said that, and only 120 of the people Jesus commanded went to the upper room. But he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. I'm sure they were gung-ho, man. He had just told them, go to every nation, preach the gospel, and lo, I'm with you always. And that means uh, you need to stay out of airplanes because he's only with you when you're low. So the Air Force guys are going, really? Seriously? No. That was just one of my pathetic jokes. So he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the what? promise of the father now if y'all answer back because you're paying attention i preach shorter if you're real quiet it just goes on and on uh and being assembled together with them he mm, this is gonna be a long sermon baby <laughs> and being assembled together with them he Amen. not to depart from Jerusalem. <laughs> capital of Israel, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now go to the next slide. For John truly baptized with water, that was a public indication that you have decided to follow me, and you've accepted me, and you've identified with me, but there's another baptism beyond water baptism. You, Jesus followers, shall be baptized with the 
not many days from now. The apostles needed it. They needed this experience in order to be powerful, in order to be effective instruments in the hands of a resurrected Jesus. And you and I need this experience in our lives. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the same reasons the disciples did. And when the Holy Spirit came into them, he brought a vision for the future, a vision for the kingdom they had never seen before. When the Holy Spirit came into them, he brought into them a passion for the works of God that they had never seen before. He prophetically praised through them himself. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. God's like, I want some praise. So I'm fixing to pour out some spirit on some of my Christians. That's a southern thing, fixing. We're always fixing to do something. You've got to fix stuff before you can do it. Amen? So you people that are not from around here, write that down because you're going to hear fixing to do stuff all the time. So God's like, I want some praise. How many of y'all know God loves worship? So when you come in here on Sunday morning, you say, well, sometimes I just don't feel like it. I don't care. No matter whether you feel like it or not, he deserves it. He deserves it. We need to wake up on Sunday morning and worship our king. Love our king. So he, he will empower you to worship. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your worship will be richer, deeper, fuller. He'll worship himself through you. Isn't that neat? So now what we're going to talk about today is Peter's explanation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the same Peter now who just a few days earlier was warming his hands by the enemy's fire and denying that he knew Jesus. Now, after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit came into the upper room and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter is no more a weakling. As a matter of fact, his full name is what? Peter Hardison. <laughs> Oh, Lordy, that is so true. Because he often said the wrong thing. Listen, I was with, uh, I was with about 200 pastors and, and their volunteers yesterday in South Carolina <clears throat> telling them about our story here at the bridge. And uh, I told them about dropping your drawers at the bridge. And so they, like you, and for our guest, maybe I need to explain what that means. We... Uh, we uh, collected underwear for the homeless at an event at our church. <laughs> because there's, there's guests right now, they're turned sideways in their seat. They're about to go out the back door. So y'all hang, wait just a minute. And so the only way we knew to get people to remember to bring underwear for the homeless was just put a little label there, come to the bridge and drop your drawers. So I told them about that, and they, they laughed like this. <laughs> And then they did that. They just busted out laughing then. Because I had a whole nother hour to speak, so they needed to get with it. Um, so Peter is a, a weakling man. He is, a, I mean, he's a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus, but he has no power. He doesn't have power. So when the heat was on, he denied Jesus. But on the day of Pentecost, they're standing out on the outside. People feel the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in languages that they don't know. Cloven tongues like as a fire. It's come down, set upon there. So the people outside are saying they're drunk. 
These people are drunk. And P it was Peter who walked out there and said, time out. Let me tell you what this is. What you're seeing and hearing here today. Do you see the difference? His name was not Peter Hardison. <laughs> it was Simon, which means reed, blowing in the wind. No stability. Jesus said, your name will be Petra. Peter. How many of you know what that means? Rock. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. Baptism of the Holy Spirit makes you a rock for God. So let's read what Peter said. Peter, uh, but Peter, I love those uh, next three words, but Peter, say those next three words. You see the boldness? You see the boldness? This is, this is not the Peter who was over here warming his hands by the enemy's fire with a hood pulled up over, over his head hoping nobody would recognize him as being a follower of Jesus. This is Peter taking his stand. You see the courage? You see the boldness? And you're gonna, when you read and do your own personal study about the, the impact of the Holy Spirit's baptism on your life, one of the main things you're going to read over and over again is you're going to get courage you never had. You're going to get boldness you never had. Listen to me now. Not courage to be a jerk. You ever run into jerk Christians? Holier than thou? That's how I feel about them. Weird. All up in your grill. If, you gotta, if that's the only way you can get people to follow Jesus is get all up in their face, then that says something about your lack of power, not that you have power. Y'all with me? I mean, your very life ought to exude or a, a presence of God and people even come under conviction in your, when they're in your presence when they haven't even, you haven't even really said very much. And uh, so, so Peter, taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice. Way to go, buddy. He didn't go, oh, uh, we don't want anybody here to be offended. He said, hey, hey, listen up. That was Peter Hardison part right there. But Peter, taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judah and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. That means in the King James, listen up. Verse 15, for these men, this 120, and the word man there is generic. It means men and women, humans. For these people, you are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day, which is nine o'clock in the morning. Verse 16, but this is what was spoken of. This is, this is important. He says, this is what was spoken of through the prophet who? And the book of Joel is in the what testament? Old Testament. So the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament. There are many references in the Old Testament to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but Joel is a direct prophecy. So when Jesus said in Acts 1-4, wait for the promise, what Jesus was saying, excuse me, was wait for the promise of Joel. That was the promise he was talking about. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. He said that's where the, that's where the Old Testament promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Uh, this is further confirmed as we go uh, on in the book of Acts chapter 2. Look at verses 32 and 33. Peter goes on with the explanation as he interprets what's going on in the upper room, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, then, uh, this is Peter talking, 
Then, then Jesus, this Jesus, God raised up, and of um, that we are all witnesses. So he was just affirming the resurrection of Jesus right there. Every doctrine we have is based on the resurrection of our Savior. And so that's why he just brought that out, the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 33, being therefore exalted. Who's being therefore exalted? Jesus. Being therefore exalted at the where? Where is Jesus? Right hand of God and having received. Look now, Jesus has received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father. And having received from the Father the what? Is it up there? Oh, Okay, that should be up there. Acts 2, 33. It's not up there. All right. Uh, then listen. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out that which you see and hear. He's poured it out. Yeah, there it is. Let's look at it again. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received. See, Jesus received from the Father the promise and then Jesus passed it on to us. It's very important. So in Acts 2, we see Jesus doing the actual work of baptizing his disciples. That's us, guys. We're his disciples. We're his followers. If you've received Jesus Christ in... <coughs> I'm sorry. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I guess mine's this allergy. Keeps you humble. Amen. So, um, but I've got, I can work that button, can't I? I mean, I just got that down pat. So, so, uh, so Jesus is doing the actual work of baptizing his disciples in the Holy Spirit. Now, now he wants to do that for you. Now, you might be sitting here going, I'm telling you, dude, I'm Baptist. I, I get that. I get that. Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Free Will Baptist, Lutheran. I get that. We're not talking denomination here. We're not talking about denominations. We're talking about you searching the scripture for yourself. I'm just asking you to evaluate this. I'm asking you to take my sermons I've preached on this, and you and God get together on these, and I Listen, you bring it to God and go, God, is Pastor Farrell telling us the truth here or is he just following something he's been taught all his life? I mean, that's fine with me because I am convinced that if you do that and you do that sincerely, God is going to minister to you this infilling of the Holy Spirit and you're going to be so glad that you have this in your life. Doesn't make you super spiritual. Doesn't make you more spiritual than somebody else. Doesn't make you a better Christian than somebody else. As a matter of fact, the more a person's filled with the Holy Spirit, the more there's less of them and more of Jesus. I've been to churches that if somebody manifested some gift, then they were put on the top of the list, you know, as the most spiritual people in the church. And then I noticed that some of them were just as mean as they could be. So, so if you're truly filled with the Holy Spirit, you will not be a prideful person. You will not carry around a, an air of spiritual superiority over other people. You will be a humble servant. You have the heart of a humble servant. And I run into people all the time who just want to get loud and just get all up in your face and just, you know, challenge you and say, oh, God, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. If you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you would be just as... You would be just as loving and tender and kind. 
you, you would not be all, it, would not, it wouldn't be all about you. Y'all with me? And so, and so churches that you've been in where people realized, they, they, they thought, hey man, the more I do this manifestation thing, the more the people admire me, so I'll do more of that. And all of a sudden the flesh is all up in that thing. Y'all, I'm preaching. Carnality's all up in that thing, and we got people in leadership roles who are about that deep spiritually. The baptism in the Holy Spirit doesn't make you superior to anybody. It gives you a heart of humility. Jesus got on his knees and washed the feet of men he made, men he created, because he was so filled with the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me out there? That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit does. So in Acts 2, Jesus is actually doing the work of baptizing his disciples, followers with the Holy Spirit. He enters into heaven. He receives what God uh, the Father had promised, and then he pours it out. And when he pours it out, <coughs> there's a rushing mighty wind, tongues of fire, speaking in other languages, prophetic praise and exaltation. So then when we read all that and we read Acts 2, we ask ourselves the question, well, what is at the core of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What's at the heart of it? What is at the heart of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? When we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what is God really wanting us to, to, to understand that the purpose of that work in our life is? Is it the sound of wind? I mean, if you read in Acts 2, there was a mighty rushing wind. So is that what we're supposed to be seeking? Because does that mean we haven't had a move of the Holy Spirit in this church unless we hear the sound of wind? Is it tongues of fire? Has there got to come down these uh, flames of fire down in the service and light upon each of us? That would be not very seeker-friendly. <laughs> People be running out the doors. So should we focus on this whole thing of speaking in other languages? Is that the focus? And i got to tell you something. I can send you to churches where that's the focus of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And people are just doing it all over the building, and nobody's interpreting anything, and everybody's shunned dying all over the place. And it's out of order, and it's wrong, and that's why we see these churches who brag about the fact that the Holy Spirit took over and we hadn't had any preaching in about three weeks, and they're just talking about how our preacher, I love it when they say it this way, and, and some of y'all are so not, um, you don't even know what I'm talking about, but some of you do know what I'm talking about. Churches that brag about how they hadn't had any preaching, I love it when they say, hadn't had to have any preaching. That makes preaching really, preacher feel good. We didn't have to, have, we didn't have to hear him. Because the Holy Spirit took over and people were doing stuff. And, and, uh, and then you hear, you hear two weeks, months, three months, six months later, where that same church has got so much Holy Spirit now that, that they can't even, it just takes over and the preacher can't even get up. And, the, and they've split and half of them have gone down the road and started another church. Come on, man, give me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break. You know what that tells me? The focus is on the wrong thing. The focus is on the wrong thing. The enemy loves it when we focus on the wrong thing and we say that's paramount. That's the number one thing. So what is the core of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it visions and dreams and prophecies? What's at the heart of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it all this visual and audible manifestation? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is what it's not. 
The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not being born again. It's not being saved. It's not being uh, united to Christ, that conversion. A lot of preachers who believe that and teach that use the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I think we've got that on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Um, For by one spirit, good. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, Gentile, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. And you're going to hear some teachers tell you, and let me, tell, let me say something about these teachers. I greatly admire these teachers. I don't agree with them on this point, but good grief, they're awesome men of God. They're awesome men of God. But what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 is not the same as what is being talked about in Acts 2, 1 through 4. It's different. Notice what Paul says in that 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit we are all what? Baptized. That that is a baptism of water. Not that baptism in water is your salvation, but it is a public statement of your salvation. And, and, And notice his language there, into the body. We are baptized into the body of Christ, Jews or Gentiles. That word Greeks means Gentiles. How many of y'all glad Gentiles get to be a part of it? Amen. The context here reveals that Paul was referring to a work. Listen to me. You say, I'm not sure I buy this, Pastor, really seriously. I'm asking you to do your own study. I'm just asking you to do your own study. Let the Holy Spirit. Hey, listen, the Holy Spirit's your main teacher anyway. I'm not your main teacher. If I'm your main teacher, you're going to get imbalanced. You don't need to listen to one teacher. And you don't need to listen to any teacher apart from the main teacher. So I'm asking you to check me out. I'm asking you to put this through your filter and put this through your process. The context here reveals that Paul's referring to a work of the sovereign spirit that unites believers to Christ. It is salvation that he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It is not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is our salvation. This is the work of conversion. Many Bible scholars, again, that I highly respect teach this. But here's what I think happens, and I, I don't have much time, so I've got to hurry. And I want, I want you to hear me on this because it can happen to any of us. You, a, lot of, a lot of preachers today and teachers have been backed into a corner denominationally. I'm not against denominations. I'm a part of a denomination. I love my denomination. The pastors and church leaders that I was speaking to in South Carolina uh, yesterday are part of my denomination that I'm a part of. I love denominations. I thank God. If I, I wouldn't be here at this church as your pastor if it wasn't for a denomination working with me and helping me. I'm not against denominations. But denominations develop their doctrine and then they later find out, you know, I don't think that really is what that scripture's saying. But it's in, our, it's in our book. And if we get up in front of our folks and say, um, we were wrong in our book. Y'all with me out there? They're, they're, gonna, they won't, they, they're not going to follow us. Man, we can't do that, guys. We can't get back in that corner. 
if I preach something 10 years ago and I, and I in my study find out, man, I, I, mess, I mess that up right there. I, I didn't rightly divide that. Then I need to get back up here in this pulpit and go, you know what, guys, I told y'all 10 years ago this. Well, I'll tell you, after really digging into that and studying it, I found out that that's really not the case, that really what God was saying was this. Uh, y'all understand? And so a lot of these preachers that I love, who I highly respect, there, you can go in my uh, office right now, tons of books on the wall by these guys. I love them because there are parts that they teach that nobody can teach it like they teach it, I'm telling you. So I have great admiration for them, but I think some of them are denominationally backed in a corner. So they can't really, they can't really say, you know what, I, was, I think I was wrong about that. They, they, just, they just are... are now, you, you guys know me. If, I'm just going to come out here and tell you. I'm just going to come out here and tell you. If I find something, I, and I'm not saying I'm better than those guys. I'm just saying I can't preach something I don't really believe. And I'll have people in the congregation here at the bridge from time to time come along and, and push me on things, push me to preach things, push me to go in a direction where they go to these conferences and they go hear these preachers and they want me to preach that in here. I, can't, I have to preach what I believe in. I can't stand up here and preach something I don't believe in. Amen, amen. So I, I just just how God made me. Um, you come to my house selling a vacuum cleaner, I'm going to know how you like yours. If you go, well, I ain't bought one yet, go come back when you've used one about six months, then talk to me about it. Don't try to sell me something you don't even know about, you don't even believe in, you haven't even experienced. Y'all with me out there? Now, the good news, <laughs> the good news is that the view that I'm giving you on the baptism of the Holy Spirit you don't have to hold that view. You don't have to hold this view to be an intricate part of this church. I mean, I could look at you and go, and I'm preaching on this baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you something, if you don't believe that, you just go find you another church. No! We're never going to agree on everything. You believe in the cross? You believe in the empty tomb? You believe Jesus was born of a virgin? Jesus was, is, will forever be God? And you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Hey, man, we're brothers and sisters. Amen. And you're never going to go to a church where you agree on everything. And I, I pray that after this series is over that people don't go, well, I don't believe that about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so I'm just going to go find me another church. Listen, we're already working with people who don't hold this view, who are intricately woven into the fabric of this church called the bridge. So I'm not telling you this is something you have to hold and you have to believe, but I am persuaded that what I'm preaching is right, and I'm persuaded that you need it. So then, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying I want you to ask God. Amen. And I want you to say to God, God, I was brought up Lutheran, or I was brought up Methodist, or I was brought up wildfire Pentecostal, or I was brought, Father, I want what you're teaching in your word to be. See, because some, some here today might be like, mm, I think he's going too far, but there's a whole other group here today going, man, I wish he'd go further. 
you know what we want we want to find out what Jesus said we want to find out what the word of God says and we want to plant our tree right there right there amen okay so um, so what is the heart and the essence here's what it is here's what it is Um, I want you to put that definition good the heart of the believers baptism in the Holy Spirit is this this is so important this is so important if you don't get anything else I say right here The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for this purpose, to provide for you speaking in tongues so you can be seen as more spiritual than everybody else. How many of y'all know churches like that? Where the more you speak in tongues, the more you're the most spiritual person in the church. Have y'all ever been in church like that? Some of y'all are just ashamed to raise your hand. The Holy Spirit is to provide, everybody say it with me, extraordinary spiritual power for what for christ that's that's it that's it and i'm gonna give you five reasons why i believe that in 10 minutes number one here's why i believe that number one jesus focused on being clothed with power when jesus talked about the baptism of the holy spirit he focused on being clothed with power look at luke 24 49 it says, and behold, I, Jesus, send the promise of my Father upon you. Y'all with me? What, what's the promise of the Father? What, where, where did it come from in the Old Testament? Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And behold, I, Jesus, send the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are what? Clothed with, everybody say that word loud. Power. Power. From on high in Acts 1-4, Jesus charged them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, namely the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you back up to Luke 24, uh, 49, he says virtually the same thing right there. He says virtually the same thing in Luke 24, uh, 49 that is said in Acts 1-4. He just repeats himself. What's important here is to understand that Jesus was what he was foc- focusing on. Notice that all the things that Jesus might focus on in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He could have focused on wind. And there's a lot of hot wind coming out of a lot of pulpits in America. Some of y'all get that going home. Uh, Tongues, wind, fire, he could have focused on. But he didn't. He focused on empowerment of the believer for the purpose of exalting Christ through whatever their ministry is. Clothed in power. In Luke 24, 47, he commands them to preach to all the nations. He turns around two verses later and says, you cannot fulfill that command with success unless you are clothed with power, unless you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Reason number two that I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. Reason number two is... The baptism of the Holy Spirit provides a believer with power to, for the purpose of witnessing. Witnessing to the unchurched. Can I just be real blunt here? People are going to hell every day. And the church has got to get motivated and the church has got to get empowered by the Holy Spirit to rescue the perishing. So Jesus goes on to reinforce this empowerment of the believer and, and the fact that it's at the heart of the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts 1, 6 through 8, 
right after Jesus says that he would be, that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit in verse 5, look what he says in verse 6 through 8. He says, Lord, will you at this time, look, here's what the disciples said. I don't think I've got this up there. The, as soon as he promised them the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the disciples looked at him and said, Lord, will you restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? I know Jesus wanted to go, I'm talking to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about that. So Jesus says right back to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father is fixed by my own authority. Here's what I'm talking to you about, Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Witnesses. So it is clear that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is seen as a power that comes upon a believer so that believer can be effective in witnessing. Notice that neither of these texts suggest what is happening in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is anything to do with rebirth or conversion or union with Christ. It has to do with the empowerment of somebody who's already saved. Reason number three why I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for extraordinary power uh, for Christ-exalting ministry. When Peter explains exactly which promise of the Father is being fulfilled in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he does so by specifically focusing on Joel chapter 2. Peter says that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a fulfillment of Joel 2. Are y'all with me on that? And what Joel explicitly promises in the Old Testament, chapter 28, is power to prophesy or powerful or power to speak the truth with effectiveness. So he says in Acts 2.17, which is actually a quote of Joel 2.28, this is what Joel said. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall, that means speak the truth with power and clarity, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams, manifestations of power. Let's look at reason number four why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. And this is the final reason. Every time Jesus talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he used the word filling. Or the, every time in the book of Acts it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it talks about filling people with the Holy Spirit, filling them with the Holy Spirit. This idea of filling, not feeling, a lot of people are focused on feeling when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Am I right? So we're talking about filling you with the Holy Spirit. is almost always associated, this filling, this word filling is almost also always associated with extraordinary power for ministry in the book of Acts. Let's look at it very quickly. Acts 2, 4, and they were all what? Filled. Look, is that tiny for you right there? Y'all need binoculars? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a powerful, miraculous filling of the Holy Spirit. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to notice what it resulted in, the salvation of 3,000 people in one day. Do you see what the focus of God is here? The focus of God, guys, is not us gathering in here having a hallelujah time. The focus of God is empowering us, not just here. We come here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We come here to be instructed. We come here to be inspired. We come here to connect with our brothers and sisters. 
We come here to show love to one another no matter where you are in your journey with God. That's why we come here. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for the salvation of lost people. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will talk about me. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what that's going to be, you're going to talk about me. That's why I tell you, and I'm not here to pick on other churches, but churches that are meeting this morning, God knows I'm not here to down any church. You know that. We pray for other churches. But when your focus is to come into a church on Sunday morning and have a hallelujah breakdown, then go all eat fried chicken and then go to the house and wait for Wednesday night so we can come back and have another hallelujah breakdown and nobody's getting saved and nobody's getting ministered to and no hungry people are being fed. Jesus said that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is so that you can speak the truth of God in your community with boldness and men and women will come to me and be saved. That's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for. Acts 4 and 8, Peter's again filled with the Holy Spirit. And he got filled in Acts 2, but Peter was leaking, so he got filled again in Acts 4. <laughs> How many of you know we're baptized in the Holy Spirit? There's a crisis experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we get refilled, we get refilled, we get refilled, refilled. Refilled with the Holy Spirit. Peter's being refilled with the Holy Spirit here in Acts 4 and 8, and uh, he's so empowered to speak that the Jewish leaders are amazed at his boldness. And then somebody wants to see his diploma where he graduated from college and high school and they go, he ain't got a diploma, he's, a, he's just a fisherman. And they're amazed at the power with which he spoke. And they're amazed at his boldness and courage to stand before great educated men. And these were the, you know, these were the great religious people back then. And, and they had big hats, I mean, they had the stuff and Peter just stood right in front of him and said, man, I'm a fisherman, but, but God's put a message in my heart, and God's filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm about to preach up in here. And he did. He did, and it brought conviction. Acts 4.31, other disciples were praying. The place was filled with the Holy Spirit so powerfully that it was shaken. Oh, that's shaking going on. And they were all, the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they had extraordinary boldness. It's right there in Acts 4. Read it yourself. They were filled with boldness over and over and over. Boldness, 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 boldness. To do what? To do Christ-exalting ministry. And, and all Christ-exalting ministry is to bring people to Jesus. Whatever we do in our ministry, however we use our spiritual gift, it is to enlighten people about who Jesus is. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will talk about me. Acts 6, we meet Stephen, who's a teenager. You hear me out there, teenagers? He's a teenager, and he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's probably about 18, 19 years old. Verse 8 tells us that he was full of power, and he did wonders and signs among the people. Don't think this church doesn't believe in wonders and signs. We see wonders and signs all the time. We get testimonies all the time of wonders and signs and miracles happening in people's lives. See, you get it in your head what signs and wonders are, and you say they're not happening anymore. Yes, they are happening. Amen. We're getting testimonies of people being healed. We're getting testimonies of people who, who say, I had a tumor. The church prayed for me, went back, no tumor. We're seeing it all the time. We just don't have the time to get up here and tell you every story, and you're hearing it too. Some of you are hearing it. 
But especially in verse 10, Acts chapter 6, verse 10, the leaders couldn't resist the wisdom of Stephen with which he spoke, and it made them so angry. Sometimes the anointing of the Holy Spirit doesn't make people around you happy. Sometimes the anointing of the Holy Spirit on you makes people upset. And they got upset, and the Bible says they grind their teeth. They were so mad at Stephen, this teenage boy, because he preached so powerfully under the anointing and empowerment of the Holy Spirit that it just pierced their hearts. So they picked up stones and started stoning him to death. And Stephen started to say something. Somebody said, stop throwing stones. He's going to deny his Lord. You know what came out of his mouth? I see Jesus. I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. Receive me. A teenager being stoned to death full of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, a lot of spit coming. Therefore, full of boldness to stand for Jesus. Acts eleven twenty four. Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, 9, full of the Holy Spirit. Father, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Let's all stand together. I don't need any music. I don't know who's lined up for music. I don't need it. Let's all stand together. Stand together. I want you to look up to heaven right now and just say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Can we just pray that out loud? Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you don't understand it. Some of you maybe were even afraid to pray that prayer. Some of you maybe didn't even pray that prayer because you're not convinced yet. I challenge you to go home. I challenge you to ask for my notes. I challenge you to get in the Bible. I'm telling you, God's got something for you that if you will open up yourself to it, he's going to do mighty things through you that you never dreamed he could do. We will pray with you in this altar. We've got to go. We've got to dismiss this service, but that doesn't mean the service is over. We're going to have altar workers here. We're going to have pastors here. We're going to have staff here. We'll pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. We'll pray for you to be saved. We'll pray for the work of sanctification in your life. We'll pray for healing for you. We believe in the power of God in this church. And if you've got to go, you've got to go, and we understand that. But if you've got a need, bring it on up here today. We want to pray for you. Visitors and guests, so glad to have you. Pick up your gift on the way out. God bless you guys, and thanks for coming today. God bless you.